Hey, Kate. Yeah? Do we give legal advice on this podcast? Oh, gosh, no. Hostile work environment. Exactly. Hey, an appropriate workplace topic. Hostile work environment. I'm the human resources director, Little Miss Hostile Work Environment. Hello, and welcome to the Hostile Work Environment podcast. My name is Mark Alifans, and I'm going to keep doing this introduction until my co-host, Kate Bischoff, who's with me right now, doesn't laugh at it anymore. I'm, that's not never going to happen. I'm always going to laugh at this. It's just going to be the way that we do it from now on then, forever. Okay. So long as you Fair. keep laughing. So we've been Fair. off for a couple weeks. Uh, we're on summer schedule. I, oh. What's that? We may need to start over. What happened? Success, we connected. Oh, all right. Well, we're just going to keep going. And I'm not going to edit that out. We got a, we got a connection to the server lost. I don't know. Okay. Maybe you'll hear that and maybe you won't. I don't know. We'll see. We're, we're not that professional here. Uh, yeah. So we're, we're on summer schedule, uh, which means that we are unreliable in terms of the timing of the podcast and almost didn't do it again this weekend uh, because between Kate going to her cabin and my parents visiting... Uh, the summer is what the summer is. We may or may not be on, on our regular schedule th- you know, through till Labor Day. We'll try to be better <laughs> after that. Uh, yes. We do appreciate everyone's patience, but we also know that you are busy and not listening to as many podcasts over the summer probably either. Uh, and, um, you know, w- but we do appreciate your patience. So, yes. uh, there's a lot going on. There's been some stuff that, like, President Biden's done about non-competes and stuff, but we're not going to talk about any of that today because that's that's not as much fun as what we've got. Well, and it's also a little bit of, oh, he's going to do something about non-competes. What it's going to be? No one knows. Right. Somebody else will make the rules and they'll let us know, but we signed an executive order on non-competes, making it harder to have them. Theoretically, yes. Theoretically. I mean, Oregon, my state, just just updated its already very strict non-compete rules to make it even harder starting January 1st of next year. Uh, We'll soon be close to California in terms of not being able to have them at all. Uh, We're not there yet, but it will get much, much harder here. And I think that that is very much the trend, but we're not here to talk about non-competes today. (laughs) No, we have, I think we've got what we have five stories we're going to talk about. Yes. Uh, Each one of them uh, fun or sad. Or both. Mm-hmm. Uh, both. And do you, we didn't really hash out what <laughs> direction or who's going first or what. Do you want us to take one of yours and start? Yes, I will start. Now, as a frequent WhatsApp user, Mark, what is the signature feature of WhatsApp? What's the signature? I don't, I only use it for our group, so I don't use it that much. Um, okay. Like the ability to have a nice group chat. Uh, is that what you're going at? I don't know. Like no, that we're all it, on and you can you can so, put little replies and, and still do all of your gifts and whatnot. But the, but the gifts feature n- needs to be fixed. I mean, it is low it, it quality could be better. gift feature. It could be better. But the key feature of it is that it's end-to-end encrypted. It's not like you oh. share it, right? That's funny. So, so I don't even think of that for WhatsApp. I use Signal for that. I do most of my my online chatting on Signal because that I know is end to end encrypted. I'm not even sure I knew that for WhatsApp. So it shows what I know. <laughs> well, and I failed. I failed you your test. Though. 
I failed yeah. your test. There you go. I suck. Well, that, Sorry. That is one thing about WhatsApp is that it's end-to-end encrypted and that it is functional in nearly every country. So if you have an internet signal, you can use WhatsApp. For example, when my friends travel internationally or I do, we can still connect through WhatsApp where sometimes our messaging systems and texting doesn't work as well, but we can still use even signal, I think has that same kind of functionality, but for WhatsApp, it has many of the same issues that social media has in general. Like we're looking for things like porn. We're looking for things like gore, uh, misinformation sometimes. <laughs> no. That's pretty rough to see on. Sorry. <laughs> Oh, don't make fun no, of the father of the internet. His wife is entirely inventor of the internet. Right. His wife's an entirely different story. But because WhatsApp is owned by Facebook, it was purchased by Facebook a few years ago. Mm-hmm. WhatsApp still has these fundamental problems with things that other people shouldn't see. And they have a reporting mechanism within the app that it shoots it to a group of people to look and make decisions about whether things are appropriate or inappropriate. And generally, these people are contractors through other companies. So for example, in the story on Time Magazine that I read through Apple News, is it's through Accenture. And okay, they so are employees of Accenture being hired by WhatsApp effectively to screen reported content? Yes. Sounds like a fun job. Yeah, for $16.50 an hour. (laughs) Sounds like a really fun job. Yeah, to look at bestiality, to look at child pornography, to look at regular porn. Like they're looking at some of the, the underbelly of humanity in a lot of ways. Not to, you know, there's lots of, porn that I don't feel that way about, but you know, like there's some underbelly of humanity that sure, these folks are looking course. at for so, a measly 16, 15 hour. So, now, so they're being expected then to come on and look at the worst of the worst and determine whether those violate terms and conditions of use. Yes. yes. Okay. So for Facebook, they're looking at things that are already posted to groups, to teams, and maybe even a little sure. bit in Messenger, but they're like looking at stuff that's been publicly facing. In WhatsApp, the concern, in part because end-to-end encrypted, is that it's stuff that's being shared with small groups of people that aren't necessarily out to the public. So we likely to see more criminal-level activity because sure. of the end-to-end encryption part yeah. of that. And that's making 16, 15 hour there's about 35,000 of these people. What? Yes. With that many, I feel like I should know some of them. (laughs) Yes, but there are lots of them. And it's quoted in the article, again, in time, that it's psychologically taxing work. One woman talks about how when she goes home, she sees the images. And so turnover is really high because, again, you're looking at the underbelly of humanity. And 16.50 an hour. Exactly. If you speak a desired language, you can get an extra $2 an hour. But one person is making, is not getting the extra $2 an hour because he is located in Austin, Texas, where his second language is Spanish. And there's just so many Spanish That's not desired. Games. Right. It's not I'm desired. curious what desired second languages would be. But that's another, uh, that's another uh, segment. 
Yeah. Probably. Yes. I mean, I can take a guess based upon what are desired languages for the State Department, but I, I, that would only okay. just be a guess. Yeah. Um, so, but they for Facebook folks, they get 30 minutes of wellness time for every eight-hour shift, and they get one-on-one wellness coach access once a month. So they get some therapy. And this is after Facebook spent $52 million in a class action settlement to resolve this idea that they were creating an unsafe work environment because many of their content monitors claimed PTSD after so, watching some of this stuff. So are they so would this would this fall under workers' comp? Well, that's it's not a very discrimination. Well, if it wasn't a regular workplace and we had a exposure to a bunch of child porn, I think harassment would have been the one well, of the Well, it depends on how and where it's coming to you. But if, if it's in your job description, that's a totally different story for me. And that's true. And that's what gets me to this, this idea of assumption of risk. If you yeah. are going to go to work for a, as a content moderator for Facebook or WhatsApp, even Twitter, like you know that this is what you're going to be looking at. So do you assume some of that risk as an employee that this is what you're going to be exposed to? (laughs) 100%. I mean, think about every risk and compliance person who gets hired. Like they're there to hear about all of the risk and terrible things that happen at, you know, certain organizations, especially organizations dealing with high risk populations or, you know, mm-hmm. th- there's bad stuff that happens all the time and it's part of your job. I mean, you know, I, I used to be employed by kinder care. We had, we had 2000 locations, you know, stuff happens. That's, I, and, and I have nothing but wonderful things to say about the care that kinder care right. provides and had my own kids there for a long time. But when you've got 250,000 kids in your care every day, there's going to be broken arms. There's going to be, oh, you know, sure. hand, foot, and mouth that spreads. You know, there's going to be like <laughs> all sorts of stuff that happens. And guess who gets a, an alert every single time? This guy. <laughs> and yeah, Which, it weighs how long on you. How did you have that job? Five years. You know what, Mark? I'm going to have to say congratulations, to Kinder Care, for keeping you that long because I would that would have turned me into a raging hypochondriac, like. <laughs> <laughs> Like so, but if I don't you, cruise for neurovirus reasons. No, but so. but you know if you're if you're logical enough about it, and and you know you you, you don't think about it, you know if, if you divide it out by the number of people, it's actually a very low incidence, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just you see them all aggregated in one place over a very large population, and it drags on you. It absolutely weighs on you. Um, but you know you take the job knowing that that's part of it. That's not that's not a reason. You know anyway. That there's so, again, and to be fair, I was making more than sixteen fifty an hour. <laughs> I would hope so. But. So, so, but uh, you know, there is some, as you're saying, assumption of the risk when you know that this is the job you're taking. Right. That this is what's going to happen. Well, and I and I hate, I hate the next words that are going to come out of my mouth because I don't think there's any reason to be fair to them. But to be fair to Facebook, they are trying to use AI. As in a way to take some of this burden off of people um, so that they're not looking at horribly racist, horribly anti-Semitic, horribly misogynist right. content and that the AI itself and they're and as a content monitor 
moderator, you are working to kind of train the AI as this is what it is so that it, the next time the machine can take part of that over for you. However, you know, OSHA doesn't have standards for what mental health safety is. And so will we get those in the future? Maybe. Maybe. Because, you know, like, uh, does this does this hit workers comp because it's on the job if it's injury it's being caused on the job? Yeah. I mean, what kind of exclusionary rules for work right. comp would apply? Which, which, which doesn't mean that organizations like Facebook and others that hire people to do this kind of content moderation should not, as if they want to be employer of choice kind of employers, provide resources to people in these jobs, as it sounds right. like they're doing, but maybe a bit too little too late. Um, you know, that would be a wise HR move for them, probably the cost associated with providing those resources. If that's, if, I mean, putting aside the fact that it's just a nice and good thing to do, the cost associated probably comes out ahead because you pay for, you pay for this kind of resource to the, you know, it's helping and it reduces your turnover. It, you know, it creates happier employees and you get better work. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's all sorts of reasons why they should do it. I just agree with you, though, that there is some assumption of the risk going that should be happening here. Right. And, you know, I think maybe more than $16.50 an hour, given your current stock price. That too. Like that, that to me is the part that is just the rub is that you're putting people who are very low paid, who are likely relying heavily on this position, may have more than one job, and then you're giving them traumatic things to take a look at as part of their job with, you know, a counselor once a month, as opposed to more detailed, more on the job kind of access to mental health care. And as mental health care continues to be such a focus of human resources and our campaigns to make sure that people get the help they need, this is one particular job description that might need more resources. So look for more of this. I suspect we're going to hear a lot more of it as we go on in life. Most definitely. Yes. Okay. So you get to take a turn now. Yeah, my turn. All right. Um, Kate, have you been hearing much in the news about the fast food industry and some troubles maybe they've been having with staffing? Oh, this mythical worker shortage? Yes. Yes. So, you know. Oh, some- my favorite is that, like, only the drive through is open because we can't have anybody in the restaurant because we don't have enough people for a restaurant. But you can go through the drive through mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. I like it. I mean, also... It helps prevent COVID spread. Um, <laughs> yes. You know, so there was uh, McDonald's recently that sparked some controversy announcing that uh, we're closed. Uh, you know, there was a sign on the drive-thru, we're closed because I'm quitting and I hate this job. <laughs> or the group um, that, that quit in mass with the sign that we all quit, store closed. Yeah, so... Um, <laughs> I forget which one that was. That was another one I think I saw. There was a Chipotle that had a sign posted to their window that said, attention, Chipotle customers, want to know why we're closed? Ask our corporate offices why their employees are forced to work in borderline sweatshop conditions for eight-plus hours without breaks. We are overworked, understaffed, underpaid, and underappreciated. So, You know, can I just say one thing before you get into the actual story? Yeah. I love 
that this is happening. Yeah. No. I, I do. Not I, I love because we, we love that employees feel that they're being treated poorly, uh, but because right. there's a reckoning that needs to happen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I love an Arby's roast beef sandwich, and I love a double cheeseburger from Wendy's. I really love an In-N-Out. That's my favorite, but there's not one here. But Wendy's and Arby's are like my go-to fast food places, and I would, you know, I would be sad if I couldn't go to one. However, if you raise your pay, people will apply for those jobs. And maybe we should just treat these people better anyway. So, Yes. <laughs> I, you know what I never realized? Maybe maybe you know this, right? Maybe this is just me. Like, uh, I haven't been to too many Arby's, but uh, I've seen them my entire life. I never knew what uh, how it got its name. Do you know how Arby's got its name? Oh, I don't know how it got No. R-B, roast beef. <laughs> Something as stupid as that. Okay. Fair enough. I, somebody, feel free to fact check me on that. That's what I, I read or heard somewhere recently. And now every time I see an Arby's, I'm like, ha ha, R-B, roast beef. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, oh, so this, could... this story um, comes from listener Jennifer Mills. Uh, much appreciated for sending this on to us uh, and the kind words that you had sent along with it. Uh, This is from a Newsweek article from a couple of weeks ago, so about July 2nd. uh, And it's about a Dunkin' Donuts. So a TikTok, somebody who's on, it says a TikToker. I I still feel weird saying a TikToker. A TikToker (laughs) recently claimed that she was asked by a Dunkin' employee to watch the store for about 45 minutes. The only problem, she doesn't work at Dunkin'. Awesome. Okay, and and the article points out, while hilarious, and yes it is, this bizarre incident speaks to the broader issues embedded in our labor system today with worker shortages across restaurants nationwide. Many locations of fast food chains are struggling to keep their doors open. Uh, This TikToker put up a TikTok about it. Uh, The the video posted by at Kayla Cernan earlier this week quickly amassed nearly half a million views. 100,000 likes, and in it, she films the chaotic footage of herself in the Dunkin', which is inside a Walmart. Uh, The text featured in the video reads, stuck at Walmart in a storm, and the worker at Dunkin' just came up to me and asked me to watch the store. I've been all (laughs) alone telling people she'll be right back for 20 minutes. She adds, y'all pray for these understaffed stores. (laughs) Bless her heart. She later said um, that the Duncan worker who asked her to watch the store was so sweet, and I feel so bad for her. Uh, I feel bad for her, too. She did apparently come back after about 45 minutes, um, and she said that uh, you know people were asking, and I think this is an interesting HR legal question, um, did she receive any payment or compensation yeah, yes. for her time working at the shop? Uh, and Kayla, the TikToker, said, she said, thank you, and practically bowed to me. I'd say that was compensation enough. Oh, she needs a Boston cream donut. Right, I mean, at least give her a donut. Or <laughs> a dozen. A baker's dozen. Uh-huh. Um, anyway, that's. I'll leave that there. We have a lot of stories to cover today. I just thought that that was an interesting sign of the times that there's one person 
clearly only one person working there. Person obviously needed something you, to just abandon the, the work yeah. like that and leave it with somebody who happens to be on TikTok. Um, <laughs> uh, weird, weird stuff happening, Kate, these days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, the, the, you know, just pass on, she'll be back in a while. That's different than saying, hey, you random customer, come run the till and pass out donuts, right? Like there's right. a difference. Right. So. Right, yeah, I mean, at least uh, at least that wasn't going on. But like, watch my store for me. For you know, <laughs> you look trustworthy. You look trustworthy, absolutely. Have t- fastest time to fill job ever. Right. <laughs> All right. Do you want to? So I've got two more. You've got one more. Do you want me to do one more here and then switch, or do you want do you want to do your next one? How do you want to do this? Well, why don't we do the sad one before we get into the couple other? All right. Fun ones. Okay, so I've got a very sad story. So my story comes from uh, Loveland, Ohio, and a man named Evan, who was 40 years old, living with his family, I believe. Uh, He had taken his own life after going through some kind of horrific conditions at a Kroger grocery store where he was the deli or dairy manager. I want to say dairy manager, but he was a manager at the store. And after he helped two other workers file sexual harassment complaints against their supervisor, he started receiving messages from coworkers, including messages that said, oh, he was in the dairy department, including messages that said, um, are you going to try and get us? Are you going to try to sue the company? And these were text messages from unknown numbers, but they were likely other employees. Once the threatening text started, he started receiving messages that contained explicit child pornography and then threats that somebody was going to report him for having child pornography on his phone. The coworkers also started sabotaging his work. Like, for example, they would put old milk in the front of the shelves, which would be against their audit procedures. Like, you can't sell the old milk first. You've got to get rid of the old milk. And so even though he worked for Kroger for 19 years, he was written up nine times in the last year that he worked for things like this placing old milk on the shelves. And he was distraught. the lawsuit says between the audit, the stalking, the threatening text messages, and, and the child pornography, and the general toxic work environment, Evan felt unsafe. So he moved in with his family, and then he eventually quit and then took his own life just a couple days later. Um, the term that they use in the lawsuit is that he had a transient episodic break. He threw away all of his possessions, and he was busy wandering the streets without really an idea of where he was and that he needed medical attention. Um, His mother told the Washington Post that no one ever wants to say my son was, I guess we have to do that now. We have to pick up the pieces and go to our new normal without our beloved Evan. So the parents are suing Kroger for knowingly having these working conditions in place without doing anything about it. Um, And in theory, you know, he's got a pretty good retaliation claim because he assisted someone in filing these complaints. And this was 
his coworkers were creating this hostile work environment by sabotaging his work, by stalking him, the threatening messages, etc. It just got him to this mental break. And if the if what's in the complaint and what's in this Washington Post article are true, his family should be successful in that. Yeah, I would think uh, based on those facts, uh, without hearing what the employer has Their to defenses, say in return, yeah. of course, uh, and always leaving room for that. Um, I'm I'm pretty down on uh, constructive discharge claims ever meeting mm-hmm. the standard mm-hmm. almost ever. <laughs> mm-hmm. This sounds like one that might be there. Yeah, yep. I mean, the, and the question I often get, whether I'm in trainings or I'm working with a client, is like, well, can a coworker retaliate? Absolutely, a coworker could retaliate. These don't have to be managers engaged in this behavior. It could be coworker who's engage, you know, icing them out, creating the sabotage, etc. Um, and then typically what happens is if the if he would have been fired instead, it would be a cat's paw would mm-hmm. be the legal concept that would allow the retaliation claim to exist. Right. So, and and you know, if you can get any connection there that the employer or a decision maker knew or, or knew of and didn't act on even if it's coworker retaliation, that can yeah. still lead to liability. And if it's just in a vacuum, yeah, you might be able to make that argument. It was just a coworker; nobody else knew about it. But if it's reported, and then still nothing is done to remedy or correct or stop, that can that can still lead to liability on behalf of the employer, even if nobody in management specifically engaged in that behavior. Right. And here, Evan repeatedly told his manager that this was happening and that he wanted it to stop. Um, and then, then they didn't really do anything to stop it. Right. And, and still so. still getting written up. And that's where the cat's right. paw can come in is that that manager might still think, okay, legit, this, this guy mm-hmm. is putting the milk out in the wrong way. I have to write him up for that. Uh, if that, if that, Write up comes from the right place from the manager, but it's happening because of the acts of someone else. Yep, their bad, their bad action can be imputed, using lawyer words, onto the company, <laughs> uh, uh, such that the li- you know, the company can still be liable for that. Right. So, uh, you know, I think there's a few things, as you said here. You know, obviously, you don't need to have the departure from employment to have a hostile work environment. Um, yeah, or mm-hmm. a hostile work environment retaliation effectively is what we're talking about here, right. um, which is a little bit of an unusual kind of claim, but it, it is, it's still, I think, cognizable. Um, but then also related to the departure from, from the store, uh, this could reach a constructive discharge standard potentially, uh, you know. Yeah. And then at then, least then as, the as only- alleged. Right. Then the really the big challenge for the parents is, you know, there's going to be no wage loss damages. There's no future pay damages. The extent is going to be emotional distress damages. And even with a, a company the size of Kroger, that's going to be capped at a relatively low number, yeah. um, given the consequences that Evan took his own life. Yeah. So sorry well, to be I'll, the Debbie Downer of the episode. Yeah, I mean, that, that sucks. Um yeah, there's not a whole lot of mm-hmm. of anything in the way we normally talk on this podcast that can <laughs> really right. respond to that. Um, but uh, so, I do hope that uh, if you see more about it ongoing, 
keep us updated about it. Yes, please. Especially if you're in Ohio. Talking to you, John Hyman. Yeah, John. <laughs> I don't know why that came out accusatory. We love John. <laughs> he is in Ohio. It's not, it's not like he made it. He lot. made that happen in his state, John. <laughs> Gosh. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, all right. So uh, we're going to move uh, move gears a little bit here to the public arena, and Sweet. we're going to talk about the state to your east, Wisconsin. Cheeseheads. Uh, Cheeseheads, yeah. So this came out last week. This is from a Milwaukee Journal Sentinel article from July 8th. Um, Governor Tony Evers vetoed a bill that would have made it more difficult for the public to get records about lawmakers who are disciplined or accused of sexual harassment. Go, so, Gov Evers. Yeah, so you read that and you're like, good for you. That's a good news story. But then you realize he had to be getting to the point where he felt like he had to veto a bill that does this. Okay, so before you actually actually say the next part of this, Wisconsin historically in the last four years, and, and particularly the last, yeah, well, the four, last four years, last two years of three now that we're no, the midterms. Uh, Governor Evers is elected in the the, the midterms, so not like t- twenty eighteen. I think he's elected, mm-hmm. and Wisconsin was a huge battleground state. But the legislature is still run by Republicans, and so the fact that Governor Evers is a Democrat who wins in Wisconsin, he has had a really tough year fighting his legislature. I believe tooth it. and nail for. Everything like they got rid of masks, they got rid of COVID restrictions, said he couldn't do it. Like his emergency powers weren't working. Like everything has been tooth and nails for him. But this isn't like that. This isn't like that because because I think in most of those instances that you're talking about, he probably had most, if not all, of the small number of Democrats in the legislature on his side. Yes, that's not the case here. No. In this case, the measure we're talking about was passed unanimously by Democrats <laughs> and Republicans. Uh-huh. Uh, the overall purpose of this measure would have formally created a human resources office for the state legislature. Um, but then, good. Which is a good thing. But then mm-hmm. specified that disciplinary records and complaints against lawmakers should be treated confidentially. No. And no. Well, so in a private employment circumstance, absolutely, you know, allegations are, are made and kept confidential. Investigations should be kept confidential. But when we're talking about public figures passing a mm-hmm. law to specify that complaints against them are confidential and can't be aired, well, that just doesn't that just ratchet up the cynicism for everyone? Yes. Involved, except uh, for the governor? Yes. Well, and, you know, sex harassment occurs on both sides of the aisle. Look at you, New York. Um, so it happens on both sides of the aisle. The fact that it was unanimous that, oh, no one gets to look at my dirty laundry at the legislature is just, it's silly. Like, it's silly. Yeah. So, 
Evers said labeling such records as confidential in state law could prevent the public from knowing details about lawmakers' misconduct. Quote, the public can only learn about misconduct through public records requests, including requests for personnel records. The people of Wisconsin have a right to know about misconduct by public officials and employees, including those in the legislature. I cannot support a bill that would be used to hide official misconduct from public scrutiny, he wrote in his veto message. Uh, And, and, you know, this this law was passed, uh, the proposal passed both houses of the legislature in June, the same week that uh, a county judge in Wisconsin ruled that assembly leaders violated the public records law by withholding a sexual harassment complaint against a Democratic lawmaker after the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel and other newsletters sued for the records. Yep. So they're just trying to... Uh, um, it, yeah. It, it makes me angry, in particular, when people who work for us, that they're paid through taxpayer dollars, their disciplinary records are protected. Now, there are certain things that that makes sense, um, like low-level things, but... I, I would like to see a, a severe or a three strikes, we get to see everything kind of rule for yeah. public servants in general. Because, you know, Derek Chauvin shouldn't be a field trainer if he has 11 complaints against him. <laughs> like, no. <Right. laughs> uh, so I think, I think we need to reevaluate public service. Yes. Uh, I'll just read um, the one Democratic rep quoted Evan, I don't know how to pronounce it, Goiki Goik of Milwaukee, who also voted for the legislation in committee, said he wasn't sure that lawmakers' disciplinary records should be kept secret, but considered the legislation a step in the right direction because it would ensure the legislature has a human resources department like ones in the private sector. Yeah, it's like you didn't but no. read it, dude. <laughs> yeah, but no, like that's a perfectly legitimate thing to have, and mm-hmm. to want to have, and to create. And so, coming out in support of that is fine. But you can't just be like, mm, not so sure about the confidentiality part. Mm. Right? There's this thing in the legislative process called an amendment. Yeah. Where you can add or remove things to make a particular bill more attractive to people. Right, except in this case, more attractive to everybody who's not the exact individuals voting on it. (laughs) Okay, and quick message to lawmakers, don't get your honey where you get your money. Uh, Keep your pen out of the company ink. Just a quick reminder. Thank you for that public service announcement. (laughs) Or a public public official public service announcement. (laughs) I think that's universal for everybody, but particular elected officials. So uh, we'll see. It may be with that many legislators voting for it that they can override the veto. How stupid would they look if they overrid that video? Okay, Kate, I'm going to answer that (laughs) by suggesting with all of the various things going on in the world right now that legislators and mostly Republicans are doing, how much do they care how stupid they look? Uh, fair, fair critique, but I, I just wish people had a PR lens of what they were looking at. Like, don't try to kill your voters. Don't, you know, all of those things, but okay. <laughs> don't try to kill your voters, but yeah. Um, 
What if my voters are pro-death? Thank you. <laughs> We're going to wrap okay. it up today with a one of our favorite installments uh, that I borrow liberally from Reddit. We have another episode of Am I the Asshole? This comes, yes. this was, I think, posted a couple months ago by user Independent Task 42. And I'm just going <laughs> to read it and get your take as we read it. And there's a first part and a second part to this, okay? Okay, sweet. I, 24 male, enjoy my job and have two coworkers, Megan, 25 female, and our new coworker, James, 23 male, who just started. The three of us each have our own office space, but because we have to frequently collaborate on work throughout the day, we are often at each other's desks. I am a type 1 diabetic. I give insulin and check my blood sugar throughout the day as needed. I give insulin through a pump, so that's not an issue. Checking my blood okay. sugar involves pricking my finger to, drop, to draw a drop of blood. The blood gets sucked up into a test strip that's connected to a glucose meter, and the meter displays the reading. The whole process takes like 10 seconds. I was checking my blood sugar in my office right when James walked over. Immediately, his face went white. He looked like he was about to puke or faint or maybe both. I was like, dude, are you okay? He told me that he has a major blood and needle phobia and gets therapy for it. I explained oh. what, yeah. So I explained what I was doing and why it was necessary. And he said it's freaky that I have to make myself bleed multiple times a day. Side note, like he makes it sound like like he wants to do it. I, yeah, yeah, anyway, <laughs> um, no, this is not a, a want. He, it's a he, need issue. He told me he never wants to accidentally walk in on me checking my blood sugar again because he could pass out. I said that if I'm checking my blood sugar and hear him coming over, I can call out a warning like, give me a sec. He said that won't work. Just knowing that I'm doing that just before he comes over is enough to freak him out. And that he would be stressed that I might not hear him walking over. He told me I should check it in the bathroom from now on. I told him that I don't think I should have to do that and it's unsanitary. He said another option was if I only check my blood sugar at certain times, say 9 a.m., 12 p.m. before eating lunch, and 4 p.m. That way he'd know when to avoid me. I said these things can't always be predicted. I'll need to check if I feel my blood sugar going high or low. He said he understands that I have diabetes, but that he also has a special need, his blood phobia, that needs to be accommodated, and he doesn't want to have to avoid me at work and only talk to Megan for fear that he might see me checking again. He said he'll talk to HR about this and that he'll tell them I refused to compromise with him. <laughs> that was last Thursday before the holidays. Tomorrow, I'm thinking of going to talk to HR before James does. But first, I need to know that I'm, I'm, I'm in the right here. So, am mm -hmm. I the asshole for not being more accommodating of James's blood slash needle phobia and checking my blood sugar as needed at my desk? Edit... To clarify something, James cannot see me test my blood sugar unless he is literally standing in my doorway. It's not a communal-style workplace. I do not test in common areas, only in my office. Okay, so the HR lady in me is going to say, just close your door. Right, like, and have, have somebody knock, maybe? Yeah, like, just close your door. 
you know, everybody can close their door. That's fine. Knock when you need to come in. You know, if it takes less than 10 seconds, you don't have to say, give me a minute, but you might be giving a minute because you're finishing an email or that you're on the phone or something like that too. Right. So I, I, I listen to this or I read this and I'm, you know, there are times where you have competing disabilities that may require accommodations that are not consistent with each other. The one I, I think of a lot, and I think we've talked about on the podcast, is somebody needs um, a service animal or like a dog, mm -hmm. and, and their coworker is allergic to dogs, mm -hmm. which can lead to some really interesting and creative problem solving by human resources. This is something similar. You've got somebody who has to test their blood and somebody who can't mm -hmm. stand the sight of blood. But in this case, I think, as you said, that assuming there is a door, he didn't say that, but I assume that there is one if he has his own office. I like that. Close the door. And, mm -hmm. But, you know, maybe, maybe the other guy will say, you know, just by telling me that I can't come in for a minute, I know what's going on and I start to visualize it. I, I, at some point, though, you know, he, you, this happens in the world and you have to either be okay with it or yes. not. You have to be okay with it or not. And, you know, I feel like, rest in peace, Bismarcky, you know, diabetics have a really hard time, particularly when things aren't going so great and they have to test a lot more often. And so I am going to be more sympathetic, even though I probably, like, there's no level of sympathy necessary, but I'm going to be more sympathetic to the diabetic than I am to the person with the blood phobia because- you don't have to walk over there without announcing yourself. Right. And and I say this, and I, I a thousand percent as agree with, with that. With the needle problem. Yeah. As I have a needle phobia and don't, you know, pass out whenever I have blood drawn, uh, this, like, give me a freaking break. Like, mm -hmm. of course, the person who actually has diabetes. <laughs> sorry. Anyway, like, this isn't really, you know. Obviously, and, this person has a phobia that's much stronger. I wouldn't even call what I have a phobia, but right. is much stronger than than what I have. And I don't want to make light of that as somebody who can identify with it. But right. like, give the person who needs to dr to draw blood space, and you can't just refuse to accept that that exists in the world. Right. Exactly. All right. You, do you want to hear how it how it worked out? Yes, let's go. Oh, all right. We, we've got a so we know what happens, here. and they go to HR. And then we go to HR. Oh, I also like to note that this is an "I am the asshole" where the answer is no. You're not the asshole. You are like, not the rare. asshole. Thank you. Yes, agreed. Uh, update. This was in a separate post. I'm really glad I posted. It gave me the reassurance I needed that I was doing the right thing, going to HR. I took your guys, guys's, guys's advice on how to approach the conversation with HR. I said that me and my coworker have conflicting medical needs and that I could use advice on a solution that would work for both of us. The HR lady said that I have every right to continue to test my blood sugar in my office. When I told her that James suggested I test only at specific times of the day, her eyes got really big and she was like, no, do not test your blood sugar on a schedule suggested to you by your coworker, only your doctor. Your doctor. Yay. So a, a plus HR lady. Yes. Later, HR spoke to James as well. Here's what we agreed to with HR. James is to call me on the phone before coming to my office, as in, hey, can I come ask a question? And I say, sure, and ensure I'm not checking my blood sugar at that moment. 
I cannot test my blood sugar in front of James. I wasn't doing this anyway. And if James's phobia symptoms are triggered for whatever reason, he is entitled to a 10-minute break to let his symptoms subside, in addition to the normal breaks we all get. Good job, HR! Uh, I would like to point out that I did pick a scab while we were talking about this, and now I'm bleeding pretty Gro- profusely. Gross. gross. <laughs> TMI. <laughs> I know, but I realize that we're talking about bleeding, and here I am bleeding. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> We'll continue. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Okay. This system worked great for a week. Worked? Oh. One day he called as usual. I said, sure, come over. But then he didn't come over. After about 10 minutes, I actually needed to check my blood sugar, but thought with any luck he'd walk in at the exact moment I was testing. I ended up calling him back, and he said that he got distracted and forgot he had a question for me. (laughs) A few days later, it happened again, and I was a bit annoyed that twice I delayed testing because I thought he was going to be entering my office at any second. Soon after, I found out that James, or sorry, soon after, there should be a comma there, I found out that James had put in his two-week notice. He explained uh, that me being diabetic wasn't the only reason why he was quitting. He wanted different hours, etc. But that it did play a role. Oh, I feel for this guy now. Your disability is never a reason someone else resigns. That person is the asshole. Totally. Later, Megan, our other coworker, told me that James told her that he really struggled with me being diabetic. For example, even just thinking, I need to ask a question, but I have to call first to make sure he's not checking his blood sugar was distressing to him because he then he'd be thinking about it, which would make him feel queasy and anxious. James has quit now. While I'm relieved that I don't have to feel like a leper at work anymore, I mostly just feel bad for James. It must be awful living with a phobia that's that severe, and I know he didn't choose to be that way. I hope he continues to see his therapist and can improve. So I guess this doesn't have a happy ending because ultimately we couldn't work it out, and he quit. Oh, so I appreciate the grace that that man, that person yes. is giving James, but James is an asshole. <laughs> Sorry. James, James, I mean, again, not trying to qualitatively dismiss one's phobia, uh, but like y- you've got to be able to, you know, work through the interactive process in a way that works. And, yes. you know, if this was still problematic, you could have gone to HR. You could have had more of a conversation about what specific aspects of it were problematic, but you can't erase the fact that diabetes exists. Sorry. Right. You just can't. Or that you're not going to run into someone with a disease that requires them or a condition that requires them to do that kind of thing. Like, what happens if he works with someone with ALS and they're wheelchair bound and they have, you know, a feeding tube and all that kind of stuff? Like, James, your phobia is not an excuse to not work with the people who are, exist in the world. So please exactly. get the help you need. Yeah, James. Mm-hmm. That's I all we got. Say, yeah, a great, great episode. I'm no longer bleeding, <laughs> in case anybody's wondering. That's um, good. That's good. <laughs> yeah. It was a bug bite. You, yeah, you guys Nothing can't serious. see Casey. She holding her arm up. Um <laughs> Look, it looks Is fine it to me. Right? Looks fine to me. Yeah. No, no more blood. <laughs> She's wearing a red shirt though, so I, you know, 
mean? <laughs> you know so. that that is you know not gonna not gonna create a, a problem for me in terms of fainting. It's not like that, but uh, I also I am two thousand miles away. There's there's only limited things I could <laughs> things do to help do? if that right were a real were a real request. Yes. Well, I hope everyone has a great next couple of weeks. I, Mark's going to be on vacation. I'm going to be on vacation, so it might be the end of August when you get a next episode. But yeah, so we'll we'll see. We'll see if we can squeeze one more in before uh, we get back into the fall. But uh, everybody, be safe. Cases are going back up. If you listen to this podcast and haven't been vaccinated, send me all your hate mail. Go get vaccinated. <laughs> Yes, please. Come on. Please, please. It's better for everybody. Please mm-hmm. go get vaccinated. Uh, if you aren't, wear a mask. Stop the spread of this thing. It doesn't have to continue. There doesn't have to be a fourth wave. Uh, Frank- and Canada is now beating us. Don't let Canada win. Yeah. Loser Canada's. Posers. Yeah, we love Canada, actually. <laughs> I do, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite people, many of my favorite people are in Canada. I don't know why we just said that. We're both, we're both, we're both crotchety and angry today. If, right. If it's a motivator, use it to go beat Canada. But, yeah. you know, someday Canada may evade and Mark and I are going to be first for all of you. So <laughs> just know. All right. So. Uh, Kate, where can folks find you? Uh, Twitter, K-8-B-I-S-C-H. That's Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Thrive Law Consulting, kind of all over the place. So Cool. How about and you? I can be found at Salad Pants in most of the places like Instagram and Twitter. Uh, I can also be found on the Bullard Law website uh, where I do my employment lawyering these days. Good for you. Good for you. Bye, folks. Bye, everyone. See you soon. Bye.